Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. <gasps> yeah, yeah. Gargano O.H. 
Hi, oh, how you doing, man? I don't know if I can live up to that introduction you just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> man, I think you can. I think you already have, man. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing to interview a fellow Ohioan, man. I, I've been doing this for over four years now, dozens of interviews from WWE and TNA and ROH. But I don't think I've ever interviewed anyone from Ohio. And uh, it, it's great to interview. That's shocking think, you know, to me, actually. I'm shocked yeah, by that. Yeah, you know, and the thing, and the thing is, it's like, you know, there's not a lot of people uh, from Ohio. I think probably. Uh, where's Matt Cross from? He's is he from Ohio? He's from Ohio. Yeah, he's okay, Cleveland. I've Cleveland boy, I've just in, like me. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, I've interviewed Matt Cross. So. Uh, okay. There you go. The guy was. Gonna... I was thinking, I was like, man, there's so many guys right now from Ohio that like are doing big things. Like, I mean, Matt Cross, of course, on Lucha Underground, and I mean yep. Dolph Ziggler. Me and Dolph Ziggler went to the same high school. Uh, really? So there's that. Yes, there's that. Uh, Dean Ambrose, he's an Ohio boy. There's a yeah. a big amount of Ohio human beings doing good stuff nowadays. Yeah, Alexa Bliss is actually from my hometown. Yep. So, yep. There you go. Uh, Alexa yeah, Bliss, Cleveland. Dana Brooke, we're NXT people. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's Cleveland too, right? She is. Yep. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice, Dana Brooke. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's uh, you know right that that that's a really good point. You know, there's a Ohio is a uh, really interesting state, interesting state. And for those who don't know, the Macho Man Randy Savage was born in Columbus. Yeah. Oh man, there it is. That's a that's a that's a random tidbit. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he was he was. I met I met Macho Man Randy Savage once. Uh, I met him at a uh, autograph signing. I was a young lad. I met him mm-hmm. and uh, I went up to him and he said, "What's your name?" And I said, "My name is John." And his reply was, "That's my name too." And he signed my <laughs> autograph. And I was like, and dissecting this later on as an adult now, knowing that like number one, that's not his name. Right. <laughs> number two, you're telling a child that your name is John when I know you as Macho Man Randy Savage. To me, right. your name is Macho Man Randy Savage. Your name is not John <laughs> Macho Man. <laughs> so, but I'll always remember that. That's that's my one interaction with the Macho Man Randy Savage is that he told me his wow. real name was John. That is incredible. <laughs> I think he just wanted to make you feel good as a little kid. Yeah. He did, he yeah, did make me feel good. But then he kind of confused me more than anything. I was like, oh, that's really what? I didn't know right. his name was John. Yeah, because back then, you know, when you're a kid, it, you know. Yeah, you don't know any better. Then. Exactly. Your it's, first it's, name is Macho Man. Exactly. That's your legal first name. Macho yeah, Man. Right. That, that was on your birth certificate. Macho Man yeah. Randy Savage yeah. is on your birth certificate. And, you know, you know, I grew up in the '80s, and and the wrestling fan, being a wrestling fan in the '80s, you know, it was so real. It was just that, that whole every wrestler was just larger than life. There was no separation. Kayfabe was just mountainous, and it was absolutely volcanic. And like you said, the Macho Man Randy Savage was who he was. The Ultimate Warrior that was on his birth certificate. Hulk Hogan was on his birth certificate. You know, those are Andre the Giant was his birth name. You know, so it's like, you know, we we have it was it was that type of feeling in wrestling. Do you do you uh 
do you I mean, was there anyone else that you can think of like when you when you were growing up as a kid as a wrestling fan that you really emulated? Uh 100% Shawn Michaels was my go-to hmm. guy. Uh I believe like if you grew up kind of in the time period that I did, like I was born in 1987 and I really got into wrestling in the 90s and whatnot. I believe if you like were around and watched wrestling a lot during the 90s, a lot of people who are wrestling now are heavily influenced by Shawn Michaels because he was such mm-hmm. like a a dominant figure of the nineties. And he was so I, I, I easily one of the best wrestlers of all time, especially like he was very prevalent in the nineties. So I think that's a lot of people's answers. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shawn Michaels. I used to put on his little outfits. My mom used to make me outfits um, of uh, Shawn Michaels, little uh, bedazzled attire and bedazzled hats and jewelry. He used to wear. Um, I said this a lot and it does, it does hold true. Um, Shawn Michaels' attire and his whole, basically, gimmick was that he was kind of a male stripper. Like, he was mm-hmm. a sexy boy. So, <laughs> as a little eight-year-old boy, I was basically just dressing up as a male stripper and parading around my house, dancing around and <laughs> stripping around. Uh, so, that, that, that you would think that really messed me up as an adult, but no, it made me, it made me even better, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, the, the one thing I, I do think about now, though, is if you aren't a wrestling fan and you saw me on Halloween, for instance, and I was walking around with these chaps on and this hat with uh, diamonds all over it and this see-through kind of mesh shirt. Like, what, what is going through your mind when you see this little eight-year-old boy walking around wearing that? You're like, oh, they're, his parents dressed him up as a male stripper yeah. for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> What's must going be on? punishment. <laughs> yeah, what is going on? Uh, but no, yeah, so Shawn Michaels had a very positive influence on my life. Uh, yeah. Just a short answer there. Yeah, and, I, and you know what's so interesting? Because wrestling fans, and it's, it's just, it really is an entirely different world. Because, you know, if you want to be a wrestler, you know, stuff like that actually really helps you as a kid because it. I've said this many times. You know, I, I write for Sports Illustrated and Fox Sports, and written for a bunch of different uh, highly reputable companies. And I say this with so much, so many articles, and I and I've said this on the show so many times. Characters, characters, characters. Wrestling is about characters, and then wrestling because we have to buy into who you are. You know, what I mean, we have to buy into the gimmick, the character of who you are. And as a kid, if you understand the mannerisms and the nuances and the theatrics that comes with the character building of someone, that actually helps you as a kid understand the whole sexy boy and knowing the movements and things like that. Uh, it, it, that and that helps you. So it really, it really was an advantage to you. Now, if you, you know, now if you'd have been thirty to four years old doing that, you know, without you know, being a wrestler, it would be a little odd, but thank no, I think you. I think I'd be even better, honestly. <laughs> you think it'd be better? That's, yeah, oh, 100%. I think, like, like, like you were saying about the mannerisms and so on, that's, I think, that's the best compliment I get anymore, is when parents come up to me, and they say, like, oh, my kid watches you on NXT, and then they run around the house and act like you. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's, that's amazing to me, because that's just, for me, that sort of stuff is not lost on me yet. Um, yeah. the sort of stuff where I'm like, man, it's really wild that like I was a little kid and I was running around and acting like Shawn Michaels and now little kids are running around and acting like me. And like, mm-hmm. like that's mind blowing to me. Like th- those are, I'm sure some guys are like, Oh, you know, that's just what happens. But for me as a wrestling fan, 
my whole life. I'm like, that's like the coolest thing ever. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and I appreciate that so much because um, I, there's, I, I love when someone's been in the business for so long. I've said this before. I interviewed Matt Seidel last year. And he he's the same way. He's like, man, you know, I still kind of I'm still a mark, you know, I'm still a big wrestling fan. I've been doing this for so yeah. long, you know what I mean? And I, I love that. I, I really, really do. That's why I like when people come up to me, like if they're a wrestler, they come up to me and they say like, oh, like I don't mean to be a mark. I'm gonna get a picture with you. I'm like, dude, we're all wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. We're all marks to an extent. Like we're all wrestling fans. I've never lost that part of me. Like I don't yeah. think you should lose that part of you. If you're in the, if you've been in people wrestling for 20 years, I think it's really important to remember that you are a wrestling fan. I still mm-hmm. am a wrestling fan. I watch WrestleMania. I'm a wrestling fan. I want to see matches when I'm backstage at shows and I watch the show. I'm watching it because I'm a wrestling fan. Like that's, and we're all marks to some extent. So, I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a taboo term in this day and age to be a mark, but I, I wear it as a sense of pride. Yeah, I, I love it. I, I totally, I totally agree with that. Especially as, especially as a, a wrestler who's, you know, been acclaimed, who's been around the world and has done so much in the wrestling business. And, you know, that's great. And, and even, even with that, even 10, 15 years from now, you know, being in those high quality matches and just that, just that feeling and that, that exhilarating feeling and coming out to WrestleMania still being a fan, you know, just, I mean, that to me, that, that would be, that that's like the biggest high, you know, that's absolutely amazing. And not, not, not coming out and saying, you know, I've been doing this for 15 years now. Oh, it's just another pay-per-view. It's just another WrestleMania. I think that's when, because there's so many people who are really invested as fans and people can see that, you know, exude in the ring. If you come in and still think that it's just, it's just a job. I've been doing it for so long. I've got seniority. It's just another job. You know what I mean? But if you still are a fan of the business, they can see that in your actions. They can see that in your wrestling and that's where the feeling comes from, and that's when they it's infectious, and and fans can see that and they feel it, and that's why I respect that so much. And I think that every wrestler should have that that that's a mentality and that psychology going into a match. Absolutely, I think when it gets to the point where you're not wrestling with your heart, then things start to go south. I think you always have to wrestle with a sense of pride, a sense of passion. Um, every single time I step in the ring, I have pride in my work. I take pride in what I do. And I try to, I mean, I know this is cliche to say, but it is true. Um, it doesn't matter if there are 20 people in attendance at an indie show I go to, or I'm in an XTV taping where there's like thousands of people. It doesn't matter. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to give the people their money's worth. I make it a point to give the people their money's worth. If you're going to have a personal interaction with me, if you're going to have a interaction with me in the ring, or you're going to have an interaction with me at a table or you have an interaction with me walking on the street. I try to treat everyone like a human. Um, I kind of want my lasting memory to be that I was just a good dude. Uh, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I just try to be a good dude to everybody. I want everyone who sees me live, who sees me on TV or sees me um, walking the streets of Cleveland, Ohio to have a good experience with me. That's, that's kind mm-hmm. of a sense of pride I take in myself. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely awesome. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. 
So what was it? I mean, you said that you were a wrestling fan. You grew up a wrestling fan. What was it that made you think in your head, like, okay, I'm not, this is my path. I'm not going anywhere else. I know for a fact that I want to be a professional wrestler. Was there a match? Was there uh, someone, you know, as a kid who kind of, you know, uh, challenged you to do it? What was that moment? I'd point to, I mean, like I said earlier, Shawn Michaels is my go-to guy. So I'd point to his entire, almost, you know, his whole 90s run as a big uh, selling point for me, but also like the WCW Cruiserweight were another uh, big selling point for me. But I was a big fan of, I was a big fan of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I was a big fan of Power Rangers. I was a big fan of Batman. I was a big fan of things like that. And that was kind of my career choice growing up. I was like, I want to be Batman. I want to be a Power Ranger. I want to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And unfortunately, those aren't real life things. But mm-hmm. I can put on a costume and I can go out and fight bad guys in a professional wrestling ring. Uh, so that kind of became my goal. I was always in certain, like, when Power Rangers was hot, I was all about that. And then before wrestling got really hot, I started getting into wrestling. And I kind of saw it, and I, I would always dress up in costumes, like, like I said, the Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles or Batman. I put on those costumes, and I pretend to do that sort of thing. Um, I put on a wrestling costume when I got into wrestling, and I actually realized, oh, this is something you can actually do in front of a crowd. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, so I started going to indie shows when I was um, very young, uh, probably like eight or nine. Um, so I started going to indie shows. And there was actually an independent company that approached my dad. Um, my dad has a catering company, has a big parking lot. So a company approached my dad about running a show in his catering company in his parking lot. And my dad knew I was a big wrestling fan. So he was like, yeah, sure. My son would love that. Uh, they were even like, oh, like maybe we'll let him get in the ring and like roll around a little bit. And he's like, oh, awesome. So they have the show. The They have the show. I'm able to get in the ring before the show and roll around and get in the ring. And I think the first time I stepped on the ring, I was like, oh, man, I really want to do this. So they kept running shows behind my dad's catering company, and then they kind of started to show me a few things here and there, which I wouldn't recommend now <laughs> being in wrestling, <laughs> showing a eight-year-old boy how to do some things. But um, it really benefited me greatly because I ended up meeting my trainer who uh, started training me when I was like 13 years old. Um, so I started training at a very, very young age. Uh, and I've been doing this ever since then. So when people ask me how long I've been wrestling, it's like, yeah, I started when I was 17, 18, really traveling around wrestling a lot. But I started training really when I was 13. And I actually had my first real match in front of a crowd when I was eight years old. So mm-hmm. in some semblance, I've been in wrestling for almost 20 years <laughs> in wow. that aspect. So it's yeah. pretty wild when you think about it. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I've been wrestling like 20 years. So it's been a very long time. I'm a grizzled yeah. veteran at this point. Yeah, <laughs> and and still under thirty. That's the crazy part. Yeah, got, yeah. You know, this, yeah. That's that's absolutely amazing. So you so it was around all it was around uh, 2005 when you started wrestling for Cleveland All Pro, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's I think I don't remember exactly. Personally, when I remember following your work, but I think it might have been around that time. I, um, w- I used to get Cleveland All Pro here in Columbus, and um, I, I, I remember watching you and um, Josh Prohibition, Matt Cross, um, 
uh, just a bunch of different names uh, as far as I remember. Uh, yeah. And then eventually uh, Brody Lee, Marion Fontaine, um, yep. uh, Gregory Iron. Uh, yeah, just just a bunch of uh, just a bunch of you just really honing your craft in Cleveland All Pro. Explain that experience to me because there was a lot of very legendary names that went uh, went through Cleveland All Pro. There was. It's wild. You know, Cleveland All Pro Wrestling was run by JT Lightning, who was my original trainer. He's the guy I mentioned that I met when I was like 13 years old and started training me. Um, so a lot of guys came and went through there. Uh, you mentioned Josh Prohibition and Matt Cross. Those are probably the two most notable, name, most notable names outside of me that have trained there and that JT trained. Uh, I remember my first real big match I felt with a name was with Matt Cross. And it's funny now because he's one of my better friends and he's going to be in my wedding party in September. But it's just it's funny how things oh, grow because I remember when I was getting ready to wrestle him, I was like, oh, man, it's Matt Cross. It's M-Dog 20. And mm-hmm. now, you know, we've wrestled each other hundreds of times at this point <laughs> just because, you know, we both train at the same place. Uh, mm-hmm. But Cleveland Opera Wrestling really helped me grow up because um, I wrestled – I got the chance to wrestle so many good guys there when – I was so young. I was 17, eight years or 18 years old, and I was wrestling guys like Nigel McGuinness and guys like mm-hmm. Alan Shelley and guys like Christopher Daniels and guys like you know, things goes on and on and on. Like if you if you watch a guy on Monday Night Raw, nine out of ten times he's probably been in a Cleveland All Pro Wrestling ring. People don't realize mm-hmm. that. Like uh, CM Punk wrestled for Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. Yep. Hulk Banner wrestled for Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. Yep. Uh, AJ Styles wrestled for Cleveland All Pro Wrestling. Like, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, so much good talent came through there, and I think it's really uh, undervalued how how much how many people actually went through there. But yeah, um, it, the experience there was invaluable. Um, being able to get in the ring with a guy is so talented really made me the wrestler I am today. And I don't think I would have gotten as I guess. People think I'm good, but I don't think I'm that good. But people think I'm good, so I don't think I would have gotten as good as I am today if it wasn't for Cleveland Opera Wrestling. Wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I was very into. Well, first of all, I mean, I just wanted to support you know you know state a uh, state wrestling company, so I, I was I was a big fan of that too, and. Um, about ninety nine or so, I was actually um, uh, I was actually invited. To, by a couple of uh, uh, indie wrestling uh, companies to actually start training to become a wrestler. And that was a big crossroads in my life because I was about to start doing it uh, around 99. Um, but I didn't, <laughs> but I, I did want to continue to be a fan. And now, you know, I make money by writing about it, but um, yeah. you know, but yeah. So, and your but, body um, probably yeah. feels a lot better too. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it does. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I'm sure that uh, it was it was that that decision and I'm I'm be a doctor next year, so uh you know. Oh, God, congratulations. Uh, you can help me thanks, out when man. I'm messed up. Thank you, man. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Well, uh, well, mine will be from a mental standpoint, it'd be psychology. So um, okay, then hopefully I'm not. I don't see you then. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. The the uh, the, the mental part, uh, not not so much. Like, yeah, well, you know, I don't want to see Chris in that way. You know, maybe some, maybe a couple of pointers of uh, how to go through life and and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm always I'm I'm kind of under the under the understanding that everyone in wrestling is kind of a little bit crazy to begin with. So you should have a lot of clients because I think everyone yeah. who gets into wrestling is willing to do this to their body is got to be a little bit insane in some part of their mind. So, you know, you oh, probably yeah. have a big clientele. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would imagine, I would agree with that one hundred percent. Just 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 to spend, you know, twenty years of your life just uh um you know, beating your body up for the sake of uh, cheers and jeers. I mean, to me, I, I think that I think that that's crazy, but I think that that's so selfless as well, though. You know, I think that that's a, it so is. Giving. It is in some like, aspect. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I think it's so giving. I mean, you're at the end of the day, you're you're risking your body to please other people who want you to just get messed up. You know, so it's you know, so yep. you're sitting there and and every single match you want to give your best and that's, you know, that takes bumps that takes, you know, potential injury every single time you step in the ring. Um, so I, I think I would, I applaud you in that sense, because that's one of the things that, you know, there was a couple of times where I was offered even a few years back, um, I was at B dubs and someone came up to me and said, yeah, man, I like your, I like your build, man. I, you know, what do you think about coming up, you know, to, to I think it was some small town and, and, um, yeah, in Ohio. Yeah, so, yeah, and it was, and again, I was, uh, I was still highly thinking about it, but you know, now I have uh, two small children. I've been married for almost six years, so I, I decided to take the a uh, little bit more uh, uh, healthy route. <laughs> yeah, it was a good call on your part. Good decision. As someone who's been wrestling for as long as I am, I can tell you that you made the right call. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. But yeah, I, you know, I definitely, like I said, I appreciate everything that someone like you do, especially, you know, growing up and, and making your name in the indie scenes. Now, I, I, you know, I respect people who have done indies. I'm not a big fan of people going into uh, a big named or highly, you know, a highly recognized company like ROH or TNA or NXT or WWE say, Hey, I've been in the Indies for so long, you know, I should already have a spot. You know, what are your thoughts on that? No, I think everyone needs to earn their spot. Um, mm. I think you need to pay your dues wherever you go. Uh, it doesn't matter how long I've been doing Indies for. I know if I, if I wrestle for NXT, like I'm, I don't expect anything. I don't expect to be treated differently. I expect to be treated like everyone else. Um, you know, that's just how I'm used to operating. Um, I don't want preferential treatment. Um, I like to outwork people. I like to show people that I work hard and I'm kind of a workhorse and I can do whatever is necessary. Um, I think, you know, being an indie guy, you do have some merit. You have, uh, especially if you've been doing it for a long time and doing it successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talked to Gabe Sapolsky about this and this was our, this was his speech he gave me um, when I signed my first contract with uh, Dragon Gate USA uh, a couple of years ago. And I, I agree with it and it's true. I always had the mindset where I wanted to do everything I possibly could on the Indies where I was ready to move on. Um, I was a fan of independent wrestling. I still am, but I want to do everything I possibly could. Um, and Gabe compared it to being a doctor. You can't just go and start operating on people and be successful at it. That's not how it works. You have to go to school. You have to learn your craft. Being on the Indies is like going to school. It's learning mm-hmm. your craft. Um, and then when you're ready to go, you're ready to go and you're ready to be a doc. You're ready to be a doctor. Uh, you're ready to move on. You're ready to be a star because you know how to carry yourself. You know how to mm-hmm. do it because you've experienced everything you possibly could on the indies. So that was always my mindset. I wanted to experience it all. And then when I was ready to go, I was ready to go. Um, I feel like I still have a little bit more left to do, but 
things are working out now where I can, you know, I can wrestle for NXT, I can wrestle for uh, everywhere else, and uh, everyone wins. It's the best of both worlds. So yeah. I'm extremely lucky, and I'm, uh, yeah, I'm very happy how things are turning out right now. So it's a, it's a very exciting time in professional wrestling. Yeah, that's I I agree. It's so so many amazing opportunities. Um, so you're you're a, a relatively smaller guy. Um, you're um, what about five ten, a little under, yep. under two hundred pounds, if I, if I'm yep. not mistaken. Yep. So that that's usually typically a smaller guy, but there's there there's some you know of course that can be an uphill climb as it, as it's been you know throughout you know the course of professional wrestling. But to me, it seems like that can cause an extra layer of drive, you know, to someone of your stature to really, you know, prove people wrong and ascend from a junior heavyweight, cruiserweight, light heavyweight, so to speak, to um, a heavyweight, so to speak, status. Uh, how is it, you know, being, you know, your your frame and your size and, you know, being that person that is usually relative is kind of relegated in many people's eyes to a cruiserweight or a junior heavyweight. How does that drive you to reach that heavyweight status and, and, uh, you know, go against people like all of the, for instance, like you, you've, you've beaten, I, I did some research on, on just all the world champions that you've beaten. You've from, from ROH, the, the, the previous ROH champions you've beaten is Michael Elgin, David Richards, Roderick Strong, Kevin Steen, and Adam Cole. The previous TNA champions that you've beaten have been Eric Young, Chris Saban, and Austin Aries. And the previous WWE champions you've beaten has been uh, Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, and of course Seth Rollins, Tyler Black. So you've beaten a list of world champions. You know, even at at your stature, at known usually known as a junior heavyweight, so to speak. But you can show people that you can go. And you can be up there with the higher top echelon people. Does that does your size and just the uh, I guess the the, the uh, perception of your size does that motivate you? Oh yeah, <laughs> my whole life people have been telling me that I'm too small to do things, especially in wrestling. And when I told uh, some members of my own family even told me that I was too small to be a wrestler uh, when my parents told them I was going to be a wrestler. Uh, he's never going to make it. Look how small he is. Um, so that's always been kind of a driving force for me. But I feel like I wouldn't have this work ethic if I was a bigger guy. I don't know. That's mm-hmm. just me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've like always that. been t- – I'm, I'm kind of an underdog, and I like the underdog role. I like when people don't expect me to um, do certain things or make it certain places or overcome certain things. I like that aspect. I like when people look down on me because it means I can just uh, work harder and um, prove them wrong, honestly. Uh, I mean, especially in wrestling, it's considered such a, a big man sport. Uh, Like, I mean, there are humongous people in it. Trust me. There are huge dudes. Uh, and then here I am who, like you said, 5'10", a little under 200 pounds, like it's, it's a small guy, but you look at someone like Daniel Bryan, who is exactly my size. We've been in the ring together. We're exactly the size. He may be a little shorter than I am. Uh, and he was able to go out there and overcome everything. And he had his WrestleMania moment and he, WrestleMania was basically about him that one year. Like, it's crazy. Um, yeah. but he showed the world <laughs> that size doesn't matter. And I don't think yeah. size matters. I think, 
Um, anyone can be believable. I think anyone can overcome things. And I think that's a great story for people to look up to, man. I can't, I can't control how big I am. I can't. I was made 5'10". That's just my genetics. My dad mm-hmm. owns a catering company, and my mom's a hairdresser. My dad is not a football player. My mom is not a track athlete. I don't have the best genetics. I was not blessed with that. But what I was blessed with is, is the ability to overcome. I was blessed with the ability to work harder than people. Um, yeah. And people believe in my work. Uh, that's another thing. I think if you are a smaller guy and you're not believable, that's one thing. But people believe in me. And uh, I think I'm very relatable. Uh, people see themselves in me. And um, that's kind of a, a unique quality I have is my my quality to relate to certain people and for certain people to kind of see themselves in me and see, like, they can kind of relate their life to me if something's not going their way or they need to overcome something. I feel like certain people can do that when they look into my work. And mm-hmm. I take that as a sense of the pride. I think uh, I wouldn't want to be bigger, if that makes sense. I wouldn't want to be I mean, I'm sure my life would be easier if I was bigger, but I don't, I wouldn't want to be bigger. I, I think I was made this way for a reason and, um, uh, I've shown that I can make it work. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, I totally agree. I agree with that. I, I think that's a an awesome, um, assessment because even in those cases, you know, your character can be much larger than your frame if that makes sense. So yeah. people can buy into the character of Johnny Gargano, you know, and, and they've done it before, you know, someone, like I said, someone like you even mentioned, you know, Daniel Bryan. So, you know, someone you even said is, is a little smaller than you are, but he's so gigantic when it comes to the yes movement and makes him a giant, you know, because so many people are buying into the character of Daniel Bryan that the size isn't even looked at. It seems like he's a, a super heavyweight because of so many people buying into the yes movement, you know, and, and, and people chant Johnny wrestling when you come out, you know, be, and that just, it just makes your size not even a, a non-factor. It makes it a non-factor because so many people, because Johnny Gargano, Johnny wrestling is huge and, and the character yeah. is huge and that Trump. I mentioned know, I mentioned thought. earlier like like Chris Shawn Michaels is my favorite wrestler. I also love Chris Jericho as well. And they're both smaller mm-hmm. guys. And yep. as a child, I never looked at a Chris Jericho or a Shawn Michaels and be like, Oh, they're really small. I don't like I never thought about how big they were ever. <laughs> it yeah. never crossed my mind. I never saw a big guy and said, like, Oh, I like the big guy because he's a big guy. I saw Shawn Michaels, I saw Chris Jericho, I saw their characters, I saw how they wrestled and how good they were, and I was like, oh, I like those guys. Mm-hmm. Like, I never once thought about, oh, Shawn Michaels is a little under six foot, or he's six foot, or Chris Jericho is 5'10". Right. Never thought about that at all. And uh, I think that's that's kind of the thing, like, people put too much stock in how big certain people are. Just focus on their ring-ring ability, focus on their characters, focus on their charisma, and just let yourself believe. That's all you need to do. Just believe and just let yourself be overcome by, you know, the art of professional wrestling. Yes, the art of professional wrestling. I absolutely love it. So who are some legends in your career that have given you some really sound advice? I'd say some of the best advice I've been given is um, probably the guy I think is the smartest guy in professional wrestling and does not get as much credit as he deserves, and that's William Regal. 
Uh, William Regal is a genius. <laughs> I like some of the things he says and some of the little nuances of things he, um, little tidbits of advice he's given me over the years has been amazingly beneficial from the first time I met him probably four years ago. Uh, I, I, I still take advice that he gave me four years ago to this day. And I still, I mean, I get to see him a decent bit now with NXT and whatnot, but yeah, I think he is one of the smartest men in professional wrestling. He is just so precise and so outside the box with certain things. I think he is my number one choice on uh, any advice I've been given. Nice. Yeah, that's uh, I've you're not the only one that I've talked to that uh, have named you know um, that has named William Rigo as as that guy, and I can definitely see that. I was a big fan of Breaking Ground on the WWE Network, and I saw that with uh, with Rigo. Just a really, it just seemed like he's a calmer guy, but he but he just demands respect from you know the the, the expertise that he has. And just the ability to, you know, create that art, just to, just to help someone paint that canvas. And, and I think um, that that is awesome, you know, when it comes in the business. So you're from, so you're from Ohio. You still live in Ohio? Still live in Cleveland, Ohio. Awesome. So how's the travel? Because you, you do a lot of shows in a diff, different companies, uh, of course, NXT and Evolve, you're still with uh, AIW as well. Yep. Yep. Okay. So yeah. So you do quite a bit of shows with within different companies. How is the travel? Is it? Uh, do you? Who's usually your your uh, go to person to uh, quote unquote ride along with? Uh, no, no, no pun intended to the WWE Network, or maybe a little bit. But yeah. So who's <laughs> your who's your ride along buddy? And how was your how was traveling up and down the roads uh, nowadays? I'm sure it was. Well, I don't know, but I would make the assessment that it was a little bit tougher, probably within probably ten years ago or so, because I'm sure the money was a lot tougher, so it was probably yeah. tougher to travel. So how how was yeah. it now? And yeah, um, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot better now, honestly, because I fly a lot of places. I fly everywhere anymore. Like I don't. That's good. I don't get in a car that much, um, just because. A lot of places I work for aren't really drives away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so normally I fly anymore, uh, which is great. I mean, it can get it can get hectic, it can get stressful. Like this weekend I was in California for family stuff, and then I took a red eye uh, last night, got in Cleveland today, and then tomorrow I'm flying to Orlando uh, for NXT TV tapings this week. And then uh, mm-hmm. I get home, then I actually I am getting in a car and driving four hours the, into Pennsylvania on Saturday. And then, like, it just depends on the week you catch me, honestly. Like, but most of the time it's three different cities, three different flights. Um, or if it's international, if I'm going to England, I'm flying somewhere, then flying from there to England. Or like, I, I, I'm, I've got it down enough anymore where I'm, I'm pretty decent at traveling. Uh, but if I do get in a car, um, or if I do fly anymore, luckily some places, uh, me and me, my fiance, Candice LeRae can, uh, if we're on the same show, we can fly together, which is always awesome because like when you fly somewhere with, your fiance it's almost like you're not even really leaving home like your mm-hmm. your your home is traveling with you so that's mm-hmm. always great um if i'm in a car i'd say uh it'd probably be with gregory iron um mm. he's another fellow cleveland guy he's mm-hmm. been my go-to uh drives guy for a long time um since we we first basically started so i've been driving with gregory iron for uh feels like almost 10 years at this point, but it's not that, but 
Uh, yeah, so Gregory Irons is my go-to uh, travel guy. I've been driving with him for many, many years. Oh, that's awesome. So, uh, real quick, sports teams, who do you like? So, so pro oh, basketball. Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns, uh, Cleveland Indians, Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm unfortunately a diehard Cleveland sports fan. Oh, man, that has to be tough. I know, it yeah. sucks. It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it might be good this year with the Cavs. It might be good this year, but I'm not yeah, holding my sure. breath given everything. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's funny. Um, yeah, I kind of span the globe uh, when it comes to – I mean, I love sports. Uh, I write sports. But I, I kind of span the nation when it comes to different uh, teams. Uh, for pro basketball, I'm a, I'm a Bulls fan because I uh, oh, okay. followed Michael Jordan, you know, back in the uh, yep. uh, the late 80s. Uh, when they were going against, you know, Detroit and things like that. So, so around 88 or so, I became a Bulls fan. Um, as far as college basketball, huge Duke fan. And uh, it was uh, ni- 1990s when I became a Duke fan. So it's been 26 years uh, doing their uh, feud with uh, UNLV. Uh, so, yeah, Duke – and then I'm a Tennessee Titans college, uh, excuse me, pro football fan. Uh, that's because I grew up a San Francisco fan, uh, just because I really like Joe Montana. And then um, I'm a huge Ohio State Buckeyes fan, more than anything. I'm a, oh, there you uh, go. Ohio State there you Buckeyes go. Fan. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a Titans fan because of Eddie George, actually. When Eddie George went to Tennessee, um, I just started becoming a, a Titans fan. At that time, Steve, Steve McNair was really big. Uh, it was the quarterback. And so I was – no, actually, when he came in, I think still Warren Moon was uh, there, if I'm not mistaken. But, wow, um, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. He uh, 96, I believe it was, when uh, Eddie George came in. 95 or 96. How do, you, so, how do you feel about the Titans trading out of that spot? I thought he loved it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know what? I'm very. I mean, I, I um, wasn't. I, I was very uh, leery of malarkey, and uh, but I think we got like six big, big. Uh, we we got some trades. We had like around six big signings uh, uh, this yeah. year. So you guys are really, looking good. Really, you guys are on the right yeah. path. I finally, I think we won like two or three games last year. So, I mean, it you was did, pretty you embarrassing. Did. You won <laughs> one less than the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. So it was one it was less quite embarrassing and we, and we lost against Cleveland. So it was, yeah, it was I quite, know it was quite Johnny Manziel beat you guys, which is crazy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that, that was, yeah. And that was tough. That was tough to endure as a Tennessee Titans fan that we lost against the Johnny Manziel. That was, uh, yep. You got yeah, a good quarterback really... now, at least. Marcus Mariota will be good, so you guys. Will yeah, be awesome. you guys. Will be I set. think. Yeah, I think he'll be. I think he'd be great. It would. It would just. It would just do my soul well if we get uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, like just. Oh, uh, well, you never know. Oh man, you never yeah. know. Oh goodness, that that would talk about a mark out <laughs> moment. <laughs> that would be a mark out moment if we got a, a Zeke, just the Ezekiel Elliott and Marcus Mariota pairing to me is money. Oh, and that, yeah, it would, would be really be good. Scary. That would be very exciting. So, yeah, your brownies. Um, I think it's just another year uh, in the woodshed for you guys. Oh yeah, not we're not going to do good this year at all. And I'm planning, and that's fine. I mean, I think they all know they're not going to do good this year either. Uh, but I don't know the draft is this Thursday, so I'm 
only on hope they at least get some they make the right picks this year and get some good guys but yeah. uh the past has not shown that that is going to happen but i have yeah. i have faith in Hugh Jackson so we'll see what happens I'm sure I'll be very angry on Thursday, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things that's become numbing to uh, Cleveland Browns yep. fans of, of of disappointment. So, so who was your favorite wrestler today to watch? My favorite wrestler today to watch, hmm, man. Uh, I'd have to say, other than, I mean, I'm going to do the Homer pick here and say my fiance Candice LeRae. Uh, and yeah. I'm not just saying that because she's uh, my fiance. I'm saying that because I believe she's one of the best wrestlers in the world, male or female. Um, mm-hmm. And I absolutely enjoy watching her wrestle. Uh, so she's my favorite. Um, and then if I'm going off track a little bit, I'm probably going to say um, I've, I, I see a lot of NXT matches anymore. So, I mean, uh, Finn Balor is always a pleasure to watch. He's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and then uh, – uh, Jordan and Gable, if we're going tag teams, they're fantastic. Um, yeah, I love American watching Alpha. them work as well. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fantastic. And I've been in the ring with both of them, uh, and they're both amazing. They're both absolutely fantastic. Uh, so hopefully they can get in the ring with them again soon. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so much good talent, man. Like, it's crazy. Like, I mentioned how crazy 2016 is, and it is crazy, but there's so much good guys. There's so many good guys in NXT. There's so many good guys all over the world. Uh I mean, a guy like Zack Sabre Jr., who's a fantastic oh, a guy. Yeah. Uh, a guy like, like in Ricochet, like Prince Puma, who's fantastic. I mean, there's, yep. there's, there's so last... many good guys who are – they're getting a lot of good attention nowadays too, which is great. They're getting mm-hmm. a lot of good pub. And uh, indie wrestling, I think wrestling as a whole is in a boom period. And oh, yeah. uh, I think it's taken off. So it's it's a great time to be a wrestling fan. I man, I, I totally agree with you. I you know, and just it was it was a pleasure to interview Ricochet last year because he's just like you as far as just a mark, you know, and and yep. um, you know he says, man, I just I just sit around and play video games and just love wrestling, you know, and like <laughs> that's what you know he he says that he does, and and and, and that's just amazing, really, to just really be an, a wrestling fan. He he said that. Um, you know, Christopher Daniels, I interviewed him last year too. And he's, you know, he's been in the business, you know, 25 years almost. And he's the same way. You know, he's, he's like, I still love it. I, I still, I'm still a big fan of the business. And I love, I love what you said. Just, this is such a boom period. You know, WWE is having a global cruiserweight series, you know, that, that has the opportunity to expose the people, you know, to people like Zack Sabre Jr., and, you know, just other names, you know, like you said, Ricochet, like Will Osprey, you know, um, Rich Swan, you know, there's so many names. Uh, you, 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 I, I know from, you know, your experience, you've, you've had some, some good matches against Swan. And, and just, and just, just the, the incredible amount of talent that is just permeating the wrestling universe right now. It's just absolutely, absolutely amazing. So, um, to to bring it down a little bit from a somber perspective, and then we'll we'll and we'll close um, on the uprise. So, unfortunately, we lost uh, one of the legendary uh, women's figures and uh, in, in pro wrestling history, Tony Lauer, aka China. So, you know, she was definitely one of the most influential influential woman in the entire business. Um, she really, 
you know, she her 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 theme song was, you know, don't treat me like a woman, don't treat me like a man, don't treat me like you know me, treat me for just who I am. And it really uh, allowed, you know, woman to really uh, thrust into the wrestling scene um, from not just being labeled as woman and just being in this corner, but being with the guys. And it's so interesting because I've, you know, I know that you've actually wrestled your fiance before, and you know, it's it, it's it's great. And, and just explain to me just your thoughts on China's legacy and and the. Um, the indelible mark that she's made uh, in, in the business. I mean, it's really unmatched. I mean, uh, uh, I remember watching her when I was growing up, and I never once thought that China is a girl and can't win the Intercontinental title. Mm-hmm. Never once crossed my mind. I never thought that, oh, why is a girl wrestling for the Intercontinental title? Because it, it didn't matter to me. It was China, you know? Uh, and I believed that China could beat up Chris Jericho. I believe that China could beat up Eddie Guerrero, um, and that that says nothing about Chris Jericho or Eddie Guerrero because Chris Jericho is one of my favorite one of my favorite wrestlers, and Eddie Guerrero is one of the best wrestlers of all time. Um, this says nothing about their size either. It just says that I think that speaks so much more for the type of performer that China was. Um, China was very believable in a time period where um, it was a very male-dominated company and a very male-dominated industry. You didn't see a lot of, you never saw females mixing it up with males. You never saw that happen. But when China did it, it was believable because it was China. And I think China will always be remembered as the first person to do that. And um, I think her mark on professional wrestling is going to last forever and live on. And, I mean, I'll say when I was younger, China was an outsider wrestler. I mean, I think she spoke to females all over the world. She gave them mm-hmm. something to believe in. I mentioned earlier about characters and being able to relate to some people and being able to invest in some people. I think a lot of little girls and a lot of females as a whole, whatever they were dealing with their life, were able to relate to China and feel her strength and feel how strong her character was and live through her. And I think um, that's going to live on forever. Mm-hmm. Well said. Absolutely. So let's end it with some fantasy booking. So, Uh-oh. WrestleMania 33 is next year in the Citrus Bowl, Orlando, Florida. So, let's start off with the Royal Rumble. So, somehow, some you come in as a babyface, you're in the Royal Rumble, and somehow some heel costs you the Royal Rumble, uh, your uh, WWE title spot, and that ends up into some lengthy feud from January that culminates at, at the WrestleMania spectacular, the, the, the spectacle, the grandest stage of them all. So first of all, who was that heel? And tell me a couple of things that will happen between January and April that will kind of spice up the feud and, and further have the fans invested in it. Hmm. If I'm going, man, there's, it's so hard because I love, I'm going off real life right now and I'm going off what's actually happening on television. Um, you could very easily say, could be me and Chris Jericho because I was a big fan of Chris Jericho growing up. I looked up to him. I idolized him. One of my first concerts was Fozzie and I only went to it because of Chris Jericho. Um, 
so Chris Jericho was a guy I kind of patterned my whole career off of almost outside of Shawn Michaels. Um, he was my inspiration. He was my go-to guy. So to be able to wrestle him would be an honor and be a dream come true. And you can almost build the, the match as such. And you can show clips of kind of like how when Chris Jericho wrestled Shawn Michaels, uh, mm. you showed how alike they were and you showed, you know, um, how Chris Jericho idolized Shawn Michaels growing up and things like that. You can almost do the same thing for me and Chris Jericho, um, just kind of in that role. Uh, so that would be amazing, I think. That would be awesome for me because that would be a dream come true. Um, another scenario, which could be uh, a different one, would be, I'd say, me and Kevin Owens uh, because mm. me and Kevin Owens uh, traveled a decent bit together. We were in England together. We were in Germany together. Uh, we kind of, kind of became friends over that time. And he's still a guy I talk to to this day. And he's still a guy that, uh, whenever our schedules align, like I be able to come in contact with and, uh, like he's awesome. <laughs> he's one of the best wrestlers, uh, going today. And I am so happy for his success because he deserves it. Um, mm-hmm. but he's a guy, I think that, We've had a few singles matches, and we had a very notable one at PWG that he spoke about on uh, the Chris, Jer- on Chris Jericho's podcast, actually, where he yeah. talked about William Regal being in attendance and whatnot. And so, like, I think that could come back to that. Um, and like, I, we were a tag team called the Panda Express once. We never actually mm-hmm. teamed up. A uh, big long thing. There's a T-shirt available for wrestlingteams.com. Go check it out. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> so there is, you know, there's a world of possibilities. But I think Chris Jericho or Kevin Owens, I think, would both be. Uh, great heels to go up against. Nice, I absolutely love it. I like both scenarios. Um, even to be honest with you, even more the Jericho thing because I think the backstory can really make that a, a nice, you know, two and a half month or so feud. And yeah, I love it. I think that would be an amazing idea. So let us know where we can find you in the coming weeks. You can find me all. I'll give you my Twitter. It's at Johnny Gargano. I'll give you my, uh, I guess, Instagram. I have an Instagram. I don't, I use it sometimes. It's Instagram.com slash the Johnny Gargano. The regular at Johnny Gargano was taken by some guy. I don't know him. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, you can find me this weekend. I will be in uh, uh, Pennsylvania. Um, you can find me on there for Legacy Pro Wrestling. Uh, and then I update my schedule a lot on my Twitter. So, Pay attention to that, and I will let you know where you can come out and see me live in your area. Fantastic. Really, really enjoyed myself, Johnny. And I knew that this is going to be one of my favorite interviews. I've interviewed dozens of people with the past four years, and I just knew about that Ohio kindred spirit that just would have made you one of the best. One and the same, man. One and the same. Us Ohio boys know what's up. <laughs> Absolutely. You have a great night, man. OH. Thanks, man. IO. All right, good night. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam show, hosted by Chris Featherstone and Derek of Crave Wrestling. This is the new Tuesday Night Titans. Derek, two things. One, two weeks is too long. It's great to have you back. And then two, wow. Wow, exactly. One of the best interviews. I mean, Chris, you keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. This is where we need to be every Tuesday night. Man, another Ohio guy. We love Ohio. 
It is. What did you say about Joe Montana and the Titans? Uh, question mark, oh, question no, mark, no, question no, mark. Joe no, no, no Montana but, and the Niners. The Niners. Oh, yeah, something like that. I'm sure. But anyway, <laughs> hey, that was absolutely wonderful. So much to learn from that guy. And it was only here at Pancakes and Power Slam. So we took common, we keep it going. There's nothing better to be. There's nowhere else to be. Tuesday nights, Pancakes and Power Slams. Ladies and gentlemen, we are the Tuesday Night Titans. That's right, man. You know who we are, but you don't know why we're here. You know who we are, but you don't know why we're here. Hey, yo. (laughs) Hey, yo. It's survey time. Yeah, man, I, I that was absolutely incredible, man, Johnny Gargano. And, and I always say, you know, I love the interviews of people who are still big fans of the business and that just loves life and just really appreciates just the, just the moments of life, man. And just uh, you can tell that he's one of those guys. And he's, you know, he's an Ohioan, so he just, he just understands how it is to be you know, to to live in such an amazing state. So he understands so, the Browns. Yeah, he does. And there's nothing the to understand. <laughs> exactly. Yes, there's. Yeah, I I have the fortune of not being a Browns fan, and um, yeah, I have the fortune of not being a Bengals fan too. Although you, I know that you can't stand the Bengals. Hates the Bengals. Um, I hate the Bengals more than I hate the Michigan Wolverines. I know, man. Hate man. That's, that's that's tough for me to indulge because I, you know, that's how I feel about Michigan. Period. You know, those Wolverines, man. They uh, they're they're not uh, they're not my kind. But uh, yeah, I, I I and the thing is, we've talked about this. I favor the Bengals over the Browns typically. That's why I don't like you that much. Um, probably, yeah. Well, you know, you've 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 been on the show for over four years. So obviously, you like me enough. All right. Well. <laughs> so yeah, and and, and the th- the thing is, is that you know the the Browns, you know, I, I I want the Browns to succeed. I really do. I mean, I don't dislike the Browns at all. I just I I just I'm a Titans fan and. I, I hope that the Browns succeed. I really do. It would be so awesome to see. What was it? Nineteen sixty was was that the last time they won the uh, the, the championship? No, it was nineteen sixty four. Sixty four. Okay. Or sixty five. Right? One of the two. Yeah, Jim Brown. Who cares? Jim Brown's sick of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's fifty years ago is what y'all have to hold on to right now. So that was before it was called the Super Bowl. They were four times in a row winners. Yeah, wow. And oh, then the brownies. that was before the Beatles came to America. So it was... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those those darn Beatles because ah. of the Beatles, because of the Beatles, the Browns just the past fifty <laughs> years, the Browns have been nobody because of the Beatles. Man, blame the Beatles. <laughs> blame the revolution. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. So, yeah, well, you know, we we've got raw to talk about. We've got payback. We've got the go home show tonight. We got predictions. Um for those who don't know, but we've been getting a really really awesome awesome interaction level. Um I on Monday nights I'm start I've started to go live on Facebook um at 11:15 around 11:15ish 
uh, for the raw review. We've had some awesome, awesome interaction there. So uh, be sure to catch me uh, live uh, after all between, I say between 11, 15, 11, 20 ish. Um, and, uh, you know, continue to do, continue to share your comments and uh, I'll address them and, and, and go over raw. So that's where I do most of the takeaways as far as just some key things, you know, that, that I noticed within the raw. So that's on Monday nights. And of course, uh, we're going to do Sundays and Mondays, but we're going to save the Sundays for uh, pay-per-views. So uh, payback is um, this Sunday. So I'll be live after payback. So uh, check that out. Um, and so I'll be live on Sunday night on Facebook after payback. And then of course, Monday after raw continue that. Um, I love it. It's awesome. I love the interaction. I love the Q and a, and it's really fun stuff. So Without further ado, we have Raw. Uh, so it's in Hartford, Connecticut. So we're going to spend the, these next 20 minutes. And I, I just, for the flavor of the week, I just made a, a short list of top five wrestlers who could be next in line for the NXT Championship. Um, I just made a, a quick list of that because I found it very interesting. Um, and as far as trivia is concerned, Derek, I have a trivia question for you. Yeah, you sure do. I do. So we're we're going to do some China and payback trivia today. And the first question goes to you, and that is what year did China enter her first Royal Rumble? 1999. Good job. Yes. 1999 is indeed the correct answer. Uh, open question for the next one. Who were the participants in the fatal four-way WWE title match, WWE World Heavyweight Championship match of Payback 2015? That is the question for the listeners out there. All right, so we have Raw. Uh, Shane McMahon, and again, we're going to go through Raw, but we're going we're gonna to focus on who are who, who is facilitating, who is the mastermind or how is this going to pan out come payback? Who was the person behind the attacks of uh, Roman Reigns by Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows? So that's where we're going to kind of circle uh, this, this discussion for the next 15, 20 minutes or so uh, around that. So we're going to go through Raw, and then we're going to create some scenarios. I created a scenario last night on Facebook Live. I'll reiterate it today, and then we'll get Derek's take as well as far as who is behind this stuff. So start off with Shane McMahon, in-ring promo interrupted by Stephanie McMahon. Tells uh, Shane this is the last ball he will run the show, and Vince will decide at payback. Uh, Shane asks Steph to leave the ring. She refuses. Shane gets security to escort her to the back. Then we get AJ Styles defeating Sheamus. Anderson and Gallows appear on the stage post-match and claps for AJ. And then after that, uh, we get the New Day in-ring promo, interrupted by the Vault Villains, who is interrupted by Enzo and Cass. How you doing? Two teams face off in the ring. Um, the Anderson and Gallows defeating the Usos. Uh, the Usos uh, attacked post-match. Roman Reigns makes the save. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn video package. Sami Zayn defeating Rusev. 
Sami Zayn attacked by Kevin Owens from behind on the ramp. Then we get Apollo Crews defending Stardust. Again, check out my uh, article on pwmania.com. Uh, it's called Why Is Apollo Crews Being Booked So Badly? Oh, man, I just had to write about that because it was just it was just really, really frustrating me. Dean Ambrose in-ring promo calls out Chris Jericho. Jericho comes out, demands an apology. Ambrose uh, facetiously apologizes and attacks Jericho. Jericho rebounds this week and put him in the walls. Jericho on the announcer's table. Then we get a Natalia defeating Emma. The China Tribute video package, which was uh, pretty good. Miz in-ring promo interrupted by Cesaro to lead to their match coming on payback. And then Roman Reigns defeating Alberto Del Rio. Interesting ending to that match. We had Anderson Gallows coming in attacking Reigns. AJ coming out to hold them off. And then he gets Superman punched. And then Reigns takes down Anderson and Gallows. And then he eats a phenomenal forearm. So some interesting storytelling here that I can I can go with. It's kind of like a whodunit kind of I like the angle. I like the whodunit who's behind this thing. I like the storytelling going into payback. This is some creative writing when it comes to who's the person who's facilitating these attacks. I love that piece of it. Um you know, when they were in London and this week, I was kind of bored by the matches, to be honest with you. Um, the end was good with that kind of, kind of storytelling was then. And kind of, we kind of saw it like once or so, once or twice throughout the night. But I don't know. I just kind of wish that there were a couple other elements within Raw that would keep me contri- uh, intrigued. Because we just saw reg- just, just regular matches that just didn't really woo me at all. Um but overall, I think the, the creative point, the creative piece, the creative aspect when it comes to that is interesting. And that piece um, kind of sparks my interest when it comes to payback. Yeah, I, I agree. The Raw was a bit lackluster, kind of the same. You know, Shane comes out, Stephanie walks out, and Steph off by the security. Yeah, well, that's great. All in good. We're going to see what's going to happen to Shane come payback. We all thought that was we were going to find that out at the end of WrestleMania. So they were able to extend that out for another few days. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's still a good angle, and I want Shane to come out as the bigger man, but it's kind of in game by now. Styles and Shane, you know, again, like you said, Gallon and Anderson. You know, who is what's going on between these guys? It's kind of hard to depict. You know. You don't want AJ Styles to be the heel so fast. This is time to, you know, it's just coming into the WWE and seeing what's going on. But, you know, it could lead to something because the thing with him and Y2J was absolutely nothing. It was garbage. And no, people kind yeah, of want to I'm forget right. that, which yeah. is good because Y2J and Amber seems to be a lot better fit than uh, AJ Styles and Y2J. So we'll see how that culminates. Uh, Zayn and Rusev, it was okay. You can never disagree with an Owens and Zayn feud. I mean, it's going to be great no matter how, which way you come at it. So I'm not too upset about that. Uh, Apollo Crews absolutely agree. They're booking him horribly. I mean, he's got nothing to do with Stardust. And it, the thing, throwing Dusty Rhodes' name in there didn't really do anything to help him no, out. It didn't. The China, <laughs> the China tribute was great. And, uh, you know, China, whatever you want to say about her, 
She's China. She is the ninth one of the world. She's the original member of DX. I have a T-shirt with her, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H on it, and I would wear it proudly today if it still fit. But I got that shirt back in 1998, so that was a few years ago. Uh, And again, yeah, Reigns and Del Rio. Hey, you know, I don't think anything of the League of Nations anymore. I think they're pretty much past their prime. But again, with the Drew Gallows and Anderson and – yeah, just what what's going on with this? It's interesting. AJ Styles still has a lot to show with the WWE. I'm not tired of him yet. I'm not bored with him. So he still has a lot to do with the WWE, and he's still a ripe character in that fold in that mix. So I mean, they haven't really done bad with his character. Starting off with Y2J was a little weird, but he still has, he can rebound from it, and I'm expecting to see that coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, by the way, right answer, uh, good job. Uh, the four people was, uh, uh, were the Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose. Um, I, you know, AJ's got he's, he's got some potential going forward. I just didn't think that the Jericho feud did anything. And, and the, the crazy part of it was the Jericho feud culminated with him losing. At WrestleMania, so that didn't that didn't get that didn't get you over. I mean, I was a fan of it because I'm a Jericho guy, but I still don't think that that really did anything. I think that they kind of pulled the rug underneath themselves and said, you know, there's there's a couple conspiracy theories going going along going around saying that, you know, I've heard I've heard some some theories that said. You know Vince McMahon. He, he AJ Styles isn't a WWE guy. He's a TNA guy. You know, so so basically, he wanted to just kind of, you know, take a jab at AJ in that sense and have him lose at WrestleMania, his first WrestleMania, because of that. You know that it sounds petty. You know, I I I can I can draw theories of what Vince McMahon has done I, from from. From past, you know, from past instances, to, you know, I I can see that possibly. I won't, I won't, I won't outrule that. I won't, I won't just, I won't, I won't just totally disqualify that theory. I'll say that much. It seems petty. It seems like there wouldn't be something that he would go that far far down to do, but I wouldn't totally disqualify it. But, That's very Eric Bischoff of him to do. <laughs> yeah, very much. Um, but you know, I, I, at the same time, and I've said this before on the show, you know, you you just can't. It, it start it start off wrong. I think it start off wrong from the very, very beginning. I think AJ Styles and Chris Jericho. That I mean, it, it just could have been because to, to me the match didn't really deliver as much as I expected it to. Not necessarily because of the actual in-ring action at WrestleMania. To me, it was because that was their fourth match, and it took a lot of the steam away because they kept, because they were fighting on all in you know, all the pay-per-views, you know. And so, it it really took the steam away from from me in in, in that regard. But like I said, I, I think it was just poorly booked from from the very beginning. Um. I would have been okay if they, like I said before, I would have been okay if they would have won the tag team titles at um, what Fastlane and lost them at Roadblock. I think the turn should have happened to Roadblock. 
because we got Jericho versus Jack Swagger in Canada. And Jack Swagger was supposed to be the babyface chanting we the people to Canadians. That made perfect sense. <laughs> and it is just it, it just it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible booking. It would have added to the intrigue. It would have caused, you know, a lot more footage for Roadblock. They should have won it at Fastlane and lost it at uh, at at Roadblock. I mean, if they really wanted that. Now I, I'm a New Day guy. I love the New Day, and I'm okay with them. Uh, you know, on on the on the track to having a one year title reign. I don't know if they're going to keep it until SummerSlam. I would be okay with that. But they've kept it for, you know, eight months now. I love it. I love long title reigns when it, when it's done properly. So, but I think it would have been good to help this angle between uh, Jericho and Styles. It should have been that way. It, it, they should have won the tag team titles, the whole Y2AJ thing. And then all of a sudden, you know, they lose the titles then the code breaker happens at Roblox, sets up for, um, you know, the match at. And the thing is, you could have you could have easily done something. You could have you could have had, you know, even if you want wanted to have your your Jericho versus AJ Styles match in the beginning. I mean, the Raw after Mania, um, you you could have even done this uh, in Dallas. You could have had. Um, uh, uh, well, not not the Royal Mania, but the Raw after uh, after the Royal Rumble. Uh, the the New Day was were still heels at the time, so you could have easily had the New Day, you know, losing a non-title match to someone or or or, or winning a match and 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 uh, and getting kind of laid out by a tag team or something like that, and they could have easily been upset. They could have had that could have been the match before AJ and Jericho, and you could have had the New Day come out and just be bitter and just attack Jericho and AJ. That that would have been the 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 start of the feud between them two, the tag team feud between the two teams. So you could have easily done that, and you could have had Jericho and AJ uh, come together uh, for common good, and they were both attacked. Because of New Day's frustration, you know, after uh, the the segment before, that could have led to the Y two AJ thing and, and a tag team title, and could have done it that way. But instead, you have four matches, and then you know, it just really didn't mean anything after that. So I wasn't impressed at all with uh, with Jericho and uh, and AJ. Now, now Jericho's. Now we're going to do predictions here in a minute. But now Jericho's in a feud with Dean Ambrose, and I'm not too wild about this feud either, to be honest with you, because I really, I mean, if Dean Ambrose beats Jericho, and then now what? What do you mean now what? I mean, what happens when Dean Ambrose beats well, Jericho? Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's a feud that probably should have happened a while back, and is. Jericho beats Ambrose. That's going to make Ambrose look that much weak. But it's also going to make Y2J look that much weak. So, I mean, I guess I get your point. That's right. Because nobody's going to really benefit from the end of this. It's going to be a great match, regardless of who you got. So, the best thing you can do with this match is just have it go the distance. 
why not make it an Iron Man match or make it a last man standing? That way, at least both of them get a bit of retribution from it and uh, make it pretty much a showcase of whatever uh, the payback. So uh, that's the best thing you can really do with that. That's the only ideas I've got in my head with it. It's just to make it go the distance. Both of them can just showcase because both of them can go. They can make the whole entire pay-per-view if they just really do everything that they've got. Ambrose was robbed at WrestleMania. He could have had a lot longer match, done a few more stunts, but they just let Brock Lesnar run him over. So it's, I mean, I don't know what else they've got, Chris. It's just let him go the distance. So that way, at least both of them can save face and look good for the WK. You cannot have Dean Ambrose look like a wuss. Two pay-per-views in a row. And you can't do the same thing for Jericho, especially coming off a win on WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one more question, one more trivia question for the evening. What pay-per-view and gimmick match did China beat Jeff Jarrett? What pay-per-view and gimmick match did China beat Jeff Jarrett? Uh, All right. So, match at Summerland. Well, that match. Housekeeping that, match. That wasn't toward you, but you get to anyways. No. Yeah. You do. It was it was a good housekeeping match, but it was not oh, at some point. Housekeeping match. It was at, King of the Ring. At, mm. King of the Ring. Mm. Any more guests? In your house. Uh, no. I have it was a summer summer pay per view. It was a summer pay per view. <laughs> it was no mercy. No mercy. Oh, that doesn't count. That's not the, that's not a summer pay per view either. So yeah, you get you get one more. Well, neither are you. So. <laughs> well, neither am I. What? That is, that is, well, I don't know. Titans. Well, neither am I. A summer pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was um, good house something. So yeah, good housekeeping match. No mercy of 1999. And of course, uh, Jeff Jared went to Nitro. The um, the night after, and uh, yeah, it was a pretty controversial uh, match behind the scenes. Yeah. That was big. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, there was a lapse in uh, in contract uh, time frame with with Jarrett, and uh, allowed him, which allowed him, because you know, typically it's the ninety day thing when you get let go, or when there's uh, any type of separation with the WWE, you usually have a, a ninety day no ninety day no compete clause, and um, Similar to Lex Luger, uh, Jeff Jarrett, uh, somehow he was able to fall through the cracks on that clause and not uh, have to go through that. So um, he was able to be on Raw the next day and just whacked, uh, I think it was, I don't remember who it was. I think it was, for some reason, Buff Bagwell was coming to mind as far as just uh, debuting and just whacking him with the guitar. Buff Bagwell, that's a whole, listen up, slap nuts. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, that was Jeff Jarrett. Who would go to WCW? I mean, seriously, especially at that time. I mean, the money was good in '99 and WCW. It was still it was, it was still oh, relatively man. competitive. They were on their downfall. Well, that was Nitro's was, downfall around that time. Yeah, I would say I would say '99 when Foley won the title was really the breaking point of of the Monday Night Wars as far as when it became just one dimensional. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with that. I think 90, 96 
to 98. Because uh, I wouldn't even say 95 was really big. 96 to 98 was really the biggest moments of the Monday Night Wars. 99 was starting to see the downward spiral of of WCW. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but here's the thing. I, I mean, really, I would imagine Jeff Jarrett is thinking, thinking in his head, so you're having me lose against China and this good housekeeping match. No way. So, uh, yeah, that was. You I, I, I mean? see your point. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, kind of ridiculous. Good yeah, housekeeping. Look, yeah, it was ridiculous. First of all, a good. What, what is? Come on now, a good housekeeping match. I mean, that's that. That's that just seems so. You know, stereotypical and just so. You know, it just it just didn't make any sense. You know, for 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 that type of match to happen, it wasn't very. Um, it was it wasn't very female friendly. I don't think it was from a from a gimmick standpoint. But you know, hmm. a, female, a female won it. You know, a female won the good housekeeping match. So that means she's a better housekeeper. I mean, what, what exactly does that mean? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, Look at her. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know. And and then uh, I would imagine why Jared wanted to go after that because that was just kind of uh, kind of interesting. And I, uh, you know, it was the Russo thing, and Russo's been notorious with uh, very uh, eccentric uh, gimmick matches. Uh, by the way, I listened to his um, rant about uh, China. If you, you know, if you if you get a chance, check that out. It, it was uh, very poignant, very emotional. Um. But as a strong Christian, man, I, I'm praying for Vince Russo, and I've, I've reached out to Vince Russo before, and uh, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll get a chance to talk to him. He actually uh, uh, he has his own podcast, but he does something with uh, um, the company that I used to write for uh, for a couple of years, um, and I and I try to reach out, and I, you know, I'll try again, but. Um, yeah, man, I'm really praying for for Vince Russo because uh, he shared some 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 interesting stuff, shared some very personal stuff uh, during that uh, particular uh, episode. Uh, that, uh, as a psychologist, uh, his methods of coping with them can be very damaging and very psychologically detrimental uh, to any type of improvement. So, um, if you're listening to this show, Vince Russo. Uh, I I invite you to reach out to me. I am praying for you, sir, and I know that uh, you, as a Christian, uh, I know that you will make it through. And I know that uh, God uh, loves you so much that He wants to meet you where you are uh, in your in your struggle. So, praying for you, man. All right, so uh, let's go through uh, payback, man. Let's let's see what payback is. So so give me a. One minute synopsis of who you think um, is the mastermind behind these attacks on Roman Reigns by Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. I mean, obviously, it's Anderson and Gallows. I really can't picture them putting AJ Styles behind any of this, just for the fact that AJ Styles is. The cool, the go-to guy, the the guy that WWE really needs at this point to make him stay the course. Um, 
So they come in. I mean, it's almost like I remember when Fat Two used to have these people come out and you know just kind of stand there at the ringside. And who are these people? What are they going to do? They're trying to turn Fat Two into this big drug dealer or whatever. Yeah, that's not going to happen. So I mean, pretty much AJ Styles is just going to stay AJ Styles, and uh, Gallows and Anderson is going to end up being the bad guys. I mean, that's how I see it. I don't see anything too big coming out of this for the fact but that. But who's behind it, though? Who's behind? Because uh, AJ said uh, that he's not. He said he said that he's not behind it. There has to be. He's not behind it. Yeah. Well, I just okay. I don't have an answer for you, Chris. I think it's Gallows and Anderson. I think that they're behind it. I think it's their thing. It's going to cause a rift between themselves and AJ Styles. So. For the most part, it's it's kind of a afterthought for the most part. It's just something to make Roman Reigns seem still more like the hero, that he's going to overcome the odds and make it through this. So, I mean, to me, it's just small potatoes. I don't think it's really that big of a, of a deal. It, it's going to end up being Gallows and Anderson, and AJ Styles is going to turn his back on him, and probably Roman Reigns and AJ Styles are going to – become a team to go against the two. That's the thing. I don't see anything much coming out of this. Prove me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But for the most part, it's not really anything that is going to set the course for the WWE the next couple months, other than they're probably going to just try to keep Roman Reigns trying to stay face. Him and AJ Styles are going to team together, and maybe this is going to cause a rift between him and Ambrose, because Ambrose I was your best friend. All of a sudden, you and AJ Styles are hanging out, so that's kind of where I get this take from this. And it's Gallows and Anderson are acting on their own. And that's just the way it's going to be. No, I don't see that. I don't see them acting on their own. I think, you know, the whole point of it is that, uh, you know, they, they, they're having a leader of some sort to, to have the, their henchmen of some sort. So they're being someone's henchmen. They're, they're, they're planted off as AJ. But as I said uh, on the Facebook Live, which I encourage people to watch on the Crave Wrestling page, Crave Wrestling Facebook page, I mapped it out of how Shane McMahon uh, can be the guy, can be uh, the person behind it all. So check that out on the Facebook page. Real quick, Flavor of the Week, um, just going to take a real quick moment of um, this list here, and then we're going to get into the predictions. It is now time for the Flavor of the Week! Um, Top five wrestlers who could be next in line for uh, for the NXT Championship, and not not including Finn Balor and and Samoa Joe. So Samoa Joe won it last week, and uh, uh, congratulations to that. Uh, Finn Balor, of course, is up there for a rematch. But five uh, five I'll put uh, um, Tommaso Ciampa. Um, because of his ROH background and um, his popularity, three I put. Uh, excuse me, four I put Zack Ryder, just because he was making a lot of noise in NXT, won the Intercontinental Championship, became just a, a nobody that quick <laughs> the night after. So he should go back to NXT and be one of the main eventers there. Uh, three I actually put Johnny Gargano because he's so over with the crowd. He's so infectious. Um, he, he's such an awesome talent. Two, I put Austin Aries just because of his legacy and his experience. And one, I put Shinsuke Nakamura, which of course are going to to do that um, sooner than later. Our right, predictions for payback: uh, Ziggler and Corbin. Who you have? Uh, I've got 
Corbin. Corbin. It's a shame, but Corbin. I have Corbin as well. Um, so who wins the tag team title tournament? Vault Villains or Enzo and Cass? Uh, I actually like the Vault Villains a lot, but I think Enzo and Cass are going to win. I have the Vault Villains uh, because uh, New Days are, are baby faces, so they're going to uh, kind of even that out. Uh, Women's Championship, Charlotte and Natalia. Uh, I, got, I got Charlotte winning still. Um, I was back and forth on that. I said I said Natalia earlier. Now I'm kind of feeling Charlotte uh, as far as the winner. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stick with Natalia. I, I think they're gonna do Natalia, and then Charlotte wins it back at Extreme Rules at, on, on May 22nd, I believe that is. All right, real quick, Zane Owens. I got uh, Owens winning that one. I say Zane uh, just because I, you know, I, Zane just coming in and losing all these times. It just it just hurts him so much. Ambrose Jericho. I've got Ambrose winning. Oh yeah, Ambrose as well. Uh, in our continental title match, Ms. Cesaro. Cesaro. Uh, I have Ms. and Kalisto and Ryback uh, the pre-show for the U.S. title. Uh, who cares? Uh, I think Ryback's actually going to win this one. Yeah, I, I have him too. Um, this is kind of like a Night of Champions match. All the cha- all the titles are on, online. Yeah, really. Uh, I got Night you. of Champions pay per view. Yeah. Uh, so Roman Reigns, AJ Styles. So you got Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns as well, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a pleasure, absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the ma- to, to to the show, Johnny Gargano. Go follow him on Instagram, Twitter, and every other place. Until next week, enjoy Payback Sunday night. We'll be live on Facebook. Be involved. Let us know your thoughts. And until then, enjoy your the rest of your week. God bless. Goodbye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.